Welcome back to another edition of the Ballas and Skeen Show, the Wolverine.com podcast. My name is Chris Ballas. With me, Doug Skeen, Michigan five-time Big Ten champion and former New England Patriot under Bill Parcells. Mm. That's a big mm. deal, man. You're kind of a big deal. So, well, uh, yeah. Patriots, Patriots not doing so well these days, are they? No, no. It's because you retired. Uh, <laughs> all right. We're going to talk first about game time here. Guys, I want to talk about a way to get tickets here. Uh, you know what? I went on. Uh, I was the first time user to game time. Wanted to get some Detroit Lions tickets for the Atlanta Falcons, and they gave me 20 bucks off. I said, I'll try it. Easiest experience buying tickets that I've ever had at game time. So fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. Stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Actually, we went on, and I saw Skeen when we were there, um, that they had dropped dramatically even uh, after we were in our seats and I'm like, man, I'm going to wait until even later next time. So, but um, you know what? It was fantastic. And, and uh, it's uh, forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy theater, and more guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110% 110% of the difference. That's 110%. So buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Uh, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Wolverine. That's Wolverine for $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms apply. Again, create an account, though, and redeem the code Wolverine for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And speaking of the Lions scheme, you know what? We This is a Michigan podcast, obviously, but we like to talk about guys who play in the pros. And I got my Lions gear on today. I am completely in 100% drinking the Honolulu Blue Kool Aid. You no. still have some of that face paint on for me. I got the face paint. I should have because I'm so damn tired from those damn night games. An hour and a half of sleep, man, before we went to the airport at 6 a.m. in Minneapolis. But it was great. We were I was howling at the moon out there with Jansen and Karsh at, uh, on Friday night in Minneapolis and meeting some subscribers. It was fantastic. The owner of Max Acadian in Celine. Have you ever been there? No. Max Acadian Seafood. We're going to go there, you and me and Tracy. Uh, fantastic restaurant. And uh, there's Mac. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. I didn't. Anyway, <laughs> long story short, we had a hell of a time. But then I come home and I had to stay up to watch the Lions. And Aiden Hutchinson is an absolute stud. I remember talking to Chris Hutchinson and you and Chris Hutchinson saying, Skeen, do you think my kid's good enough to play for Michigan? I think that question <laughs> has been answered. What a freaking stud. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, safe to say that this young man is going to be a superstar. Um, I don't know what else to say. It ain't just him. Obviously, his sisters are extremely talented, too. So uh, Chris and Melissa have been blessed with very talented children. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What positions do they play? Yeah, well, one of them is an incredible singer, and the oh, other one okay. is a beauty pageant queen. So it's well, you have my hopes really up, sure. man. I thought maybe one was going to be a linebacker and one was going to be a receiver. I don't think they need them. Nope. I don't think no, they need not them anymore. anymore. We got one, one seems to be doing pretty good out there. Yeah, because so. the Lions are going to the Super Bowl, baby. Drink well, that well, well. Hey, pump <laughs> the brakes, Ballas. Pump the brakes. Okay, I got to say this, though. Uh, the best pick, one of the best picks that they've ever made, and they waited 10 seconds to make it, and that's when I knew that this franchise was starting to get it. Uh, you see a guy that never takes a playoff, took one hell of a hit after an unbelievable interception with one hand. Uh, I mean, do you remember Hutch when he was a little kid? Did you ever meet Aiden when he was younger? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he's a tall, like Uncle tall little skinny, scrawny kid, and and – you know, I, I never really saw him play football until some high school stuff. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks like a taller version of his dad. Yeah. He plays just as hard. And then, 
you know, you mix in time and physical development and, you know, you got to remember uh, Aiden's six, what, six, six kids. Like he's my height. Yeah. He's a tall, long kid and he's put on the strength and he's, but then you combine that with the incredible motor in this, in the, the desire. And there is no, there is no gear that's uh, not a hundred percent for his dad at Michigan. And, and I was just telling a friend, we were watching the lions game and, and he was asking me about Aiden and I was like, you know, he's like his dad, except bigger and, you know, yeah. longer, and how'd that happen? longer how'd arms. That happen? Well, I've said this before. Hutch, uh, Chris is the run to the family. His brothers right. are huge people. And this is, right. These are big human beings. And, and Chris was the runt at only 6'3". Yeah. But he obviously made up for it by becoming an All-American at Michigan. And, and Aiden got some of those blessed genetics to be tall and long arms. And God. you combine the, the, the internal DNA of never having a, a low gear. And here you go. You get an NFL superstar. It's yeah, awesome he, to watch. He, and he is a superstar. It's fantastic. And I can't tell you how many times he's been held. Uh, you must be really proud of those offensive linemen holding all the time, holding them and grabbing them and tackling them. <laughs> Ridiculous. I Come know. On, well, NFL. Listen, man, it's just part of the deal. Uh, just, yeah, it's just part of the deal. That's part of the kid, deal. I tell you what, that kid would probably have 10 sacks already, and I'm not bullshitting. Uh, but he's got, any- you know, it's here's, you know, NFL quarterbacking across the league for many years now, right? Yeah preserve your offense, preserve your quarterback by getting rid of the football in three seconds or less. Yeah. And so it's even harder nowadays for guys to get to the quarterback. But so that's why I think that the statistic that's tracked now with pressures is so important. Yeah. If you can make a comfortable a quarterback uncomfortable and have him move around and have to find somewhere to throw when he doesn't really, you know, he's not really where he wants to be. Sometimes those things can add up to be just as impactful as a sack. It doesn't look the same because you don't have the actual loss of yardage, but pressures are incredibly important. That's why, you know, I talk about that in our weekly show here, Ballas. We look at Michigan's offensive line. How many pressures are we giving up Mm -hmm. in these kind of things? Because it's important. So as, as long as Hutch and the rest of that defensive front for the Lions can continue to pressure quarterbacks, hit them even after they throw the football, and then throw in a couple sacks per game, you're doing all the right things. You're disrupting the quarterback's comfort level. And and he's doing that constantly. Hutchinson is forcing him out of the pocket and everything else. And let's talk about another guy who's doing that from the interior for Michigan now, switching gears. And we're going to start on the defensive line this this uh, this week because I got to tell you, Mason Graham, and I've been singing his praises, and people are starting to wonder, you know what, okay, is it getting a little weird here with Ballas's, <laughs> you know, infatuation with Mason Graham? But I talked to his dad last year because I said, I have never seen a better true freshman defensive tackle than this kid at Michigan. And that was not hyperbole. Uh, a kid that had that kind of an impact. And now we're starting to see him take it to another level. And I'm thinking going into that game on Saturday night, they wanted to get him a few reps to see how he played with this big club on his hand, because obviously hands are so important oh, yeah. on the interior. Right. Yeah. And instead this kid, so this kid comes in with a swim move and he's throwing <laughs> this big club around like something out of game of Thrones or something like that on his hand and busting through double teams. Uh, talk about the game he had and how disruptive, and how dominant a dominant defensive tackle can completely change the game because that's exactly what he did on Saturday night. Well, and, and let's not minimize for a second. Let's just talk about how difficult it is to play in the interior because you're always playing against two guys, right? This, you know, in the position that Mason plays, he's either the, over the nose, he's this, over the center, over a guard. He's always drawing some kind of double team, even if for a moment. So he's got a, he's got a, he's got to deal with a guard or center coming at him, and maybe if he's if he's, if he's playing a wide three, you got tackles as well. And so it's a really difficult position to play because of the angles that his opponents, the offensive line, have on him. 
And so his handwork is 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 just like anybody in the middle there. It's incredibly important. So take one of your hands away, right? If I just take your hand ballast, your left hand or right hand, and wrap it up in a club and you can't functionally use your fingers and your thumbs, your day is going to be really uncomfortable. But if your livelihood and your performance is dependent on how well you can use both of your hands, and I take one of them away, like like he's got with this this club on his hand, yeah, it's unbelievable. For- it's I guess what I'm saying is unbelievable how effective the kid was missing one of his hands. It, it reminded me of all the players I've ever watched, going all the way back to when Everett did it years ago. He switched hands because he you know had an incident with his uh, fingertips there, and so. Uh, I don't, I don't know how, how guys can do it and remain as effective as they were. And yeah. so for Graham to do that against Minnesota and do some swim news and make some changes in the way he plays, it obviously freaked out the Minnesota offensive line. They didn't have an answer for him because he's in the, he's in the, you know, making in the gaps and in the backfield and making tackles for losses. It's like, wow, this kid's really, really good. And obviously really, really tough because yeah. you, it's, you know, it's really, really difficult to do things in life in general, let alone play a game that requires you use these so much. Yeah. And we're, we're talking Jefferson from fast times at Ridgemont high stuff here. I mean, this guy's leaping over guys. He got actually, there was some late help and the guy blocked him right into the, uh, into the quarterback and uh, the center got some late help and he just absolutely crushed that kid. And I'm like, this is, this is unbelievable. I mean, yeah. I, I haven't seen anything like this and, you know, uh, Kuda, uh, Mozzie Smith was fantastic. First round pick. Uh, I can go back to Chris Hutchinson. I can go back to guys like that and I can uh, single out a ton of guys, Maurice Hurst, obviously, but yeah. in terms of, stopping the run and now starting to get some pressure. Uh, Mason Graham is taking his game to another level. I love watching him play. Congratulations to them and, and a great kid to boot. So uh, a lot Graham of does a great job at Jenkins in there. Yeah. It continues to disrupt things. I thought Rayshon Benny really made some plays in there too. And okay. occupying offensive linemen as well. I was just watching those interior defensive linemen and all of them. I'm like, man, this Minnesota offensive line is just got to be looking at each other. Like, what do we do with this group? Right. They're all, you know, they're all really athletic guys moving around. But I thought as a group, obviously Graham stood out because of the return with the injury. But those other guys in there, uh, Jenkins, obviously, we know. But, I, you know, Rayshon's one of these kids that I thought would have a, a a breakout year coming into the season. And I saw him make some plays in there. And he looks he looks pretty good, too. And that's a good. big dude running around in there and making plays and getting out on the edge, pursuing the, the ball. And so – uh, the Michigan defensive line, uh, you know, I think we all have these dreams of the of the years where Hutch and Ajabo would come off the end and torture guys. And that was, you know, that was like, you know, ideal, perfect conditions for those two in that season a few years back. But this group is doing it in different ways. We may not be taking offensive tackles and throwing them into the quarterback like Hutch did against Ohio State in his last game. But they're just as effective, just as effective in other ways. Yeah, and Josiah Stewart starting to get there. He was actually the defensive player of the week in the Big Ten two weeks ago. I think he had another sack on Saturday, and he's starting to get to the quarterback, this kid from Coastal Carolina, back next year. Everybody laments what they lose next year, and I'd like to focus on what they bring back. And when I look at Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham and Josiah Stewart, they're going to do the one-year fund. Braden McGregor, I don't think it was credited for a tackle, but he had three pass breakups at the line of scrimmage. This kid has been That's his special. 
coaching now, Ballas. It is, absolutely. And it's every bit as good as, you know what, maybe not a sack, but you get him off the field, you know, you get another down. uh, Well, again, the the, the net impact on the quarterback. So McGregor has done an outstanding job of reading some eyeballs and positioning himself. Again, a really tall, long guy. And now quarterbacks are looking at him. If I'm the quarterback and I'm looking over to my right and I know my route that I want to throw to is over here on my right, and I look over here and I see 17, and he's already batted down one of the footballs or maybe two of them, now it's like, all right, I I may have to move to get around him before I can even throw the route I want. And so that has an impact on a quarterback as well. So they all have their specialties. McGregor's really good at getting hands up and disrupting. And I would say this. Almost all the defensive front guys that get in the, into the backfield against these quarterbacks that we're playing, they're doing an outstanding job of getting their hands up and causing pass lane disruptions or vision problems for a quarterback. Yeah. And it's a it's a tiny little thing that you coach little kids when they, when they first start playing the game. And a lot of guys don't do it anymore. It's a lost art in some ways, and it's really cool to see the Michigan defense Bringing it back. And Mike Elston is one of the reasons for that. This guy is a, an absolute stud. I remember when we broke the news the night before that, hey, Mike Elston, keep an eye out on this as a potential defensive line hire. Notre Dame fans roasted me. They absolutely killed me. And I said, well, we got a pretty good source here on this one, you know. And uh, and maybe somebody connected to the Michigan program that played with him and uh, said, don't, you know, don't give it away yet. But uh, they got a chance. What a steal that was. Mike Elston is an absolute stud and joins an absolute stud coaching staff. So let me talk about bird dogs here for a second. Skeen, um, I got to get you some shorts here and some of these golf pants. Uh, most comfortable, literally, shorts that I have ever worn. And I'm not just saying that because they are paying us to. Uh, they've got a built-in liner. Uh, stretch khaki shorts, birddogs.com. Um, that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh, which is great for you and me, Skeen, mm-hmm. and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. I'm telling you, um, if I had a dime for every girl that commented on my butt in these, I'd have, mm. I wouldn't have anything. But still, they do a really good job of uh, of slimming you down. They fit way better than regular shorts. They're made of stiff, restricting cotton. They fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And this I can attest to being absolutely true. Uses anti-stink sweat, which is great for you, Skeen. Mm, uh, wicking fabric yeah. mm-hmm. that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Um, I've got uh, I've got a pair of shorts. I got a pair of pants that they sent me that are incredible golf pants, uh, and uh, just fantastic. So I can't. It's I have a hard time finding pants, golf pants, Skeen that fit. Uh, they sent them to me sight unseen without trying them on, and they are perfect. So go to Bird Dogs slash uh, BirdDogs.com slash Wolverine. Or enter promo code Wolverine for a free Hydro Flask style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash Wolverine or promo code Wolverine for a free Hydro Flask style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. So, all right, Skeen, um, back to Michigan football here. Uh, I will say this about the Minnesota offensive line. They were physical. There were times early in that game, we were texting during the game as we do, when Chris Stapleton, the, the former mullet punter, gets all scared about how the game's going, and he's like, oh, no, Doug, what's happening? You know, and then uh, <laughs> he's going to kill us for that, kill me for that. But anyway, he says, why? are they running the ball so well and you said they were just winning some of their one-on-one matchups and they were but what they were doing was they were running that stretch play and they were patient waiting to yeah. tell on their back wait and uh but tell us what was going on early in that game uh for people who were watching minnesota's offensive line was textbook executing against our defensive front and some of those better runs they were running what you when you say is a stretch play it's like a zone blocking scheme mm-hmm. where guys are getting at an edge 
and you got the next guy. So if I'm if I'm the playing right guard, and we saw this in the game Saturday night, I get on the edge of the defensive lineman. The center comes to my inside hip, and together now we've got control of a defensive lineman, and and both of our eyeballs are on that next linebacker. If the linebacker comes over the top, I'm going to slide off and get him, and the center is going to take over this block that I just left. And then that running back is watching all of this happen. And he's patient, patient, patient. And when he sees that second level move to go get that linebacker, then he makes the crease move off of my butt cheek and he's gone for a first down. Yeah. It was just basic blocking. That's yeah. all they were doing. So when I you know, sent that text message that Minnesota's offensive line on these successful plays, they're just blocking us. Simple. Yeah. They're just blocking us. And so the game went on and all of a sudden the defensive line and the linebackers did a better job of controlling that double team fit that the Minnesota offensive line was trying to get to with success early in the football game, Michigan started jumping some gaps and started making some slants. And that's really difficult when you try to do that zone stuff. And it, it changes the angles and the preferred angles that offensive linemen like to take, because now you're unsure, is he going to jump the gap this way and just causes problems. And Michigan started to fix those things. And all of a sudden they can't run the football. Yeah, and Jim Harbaugh said that they moved their edge out over this as a six technique, which means what he's across from the tight end, right? Yeah, he's yeah he's out past okay. the tackle, over right. in the shoulder of the tight end now, and so that changes the you know the, the the ability of the width that they can get, and then you have a better, stronger fill linebacker, and then a more gapping, dis- disrupting defensive lineman. It just makes it makes for serious problems in teams like to zone you. Yeah, and that is a great coaching move and not surprising to me when you got guys like Elston and Jesse Minter. Harbaugh did say he went over to the defense at halftime to see what he was saying. And he says, yeah, that sounds good to me. And sure enough, and those backs were waiting. They wanted to get some cutbacks too. You could see, yeah. you know, okay, we're going to cut this back. And and it was there a couple of times and, and yeah. give them credit, you know. And it's funny because we say, oh, my God, they're gashing them. And then you look at the final stats. Yeah. And they finished with 117 yards, which isn't terrible. And I think they had seven total yards in the third quarter. Uh, nobody has scored on Michigan in the third quarter, I believe, this year. Is, yeah. is not well, mistaken. As, as good as the statistics are for Michigan's defense, I think us fans and Stapleton and you and I, and we sit there and we go, oh, my gosh, someone's having success. Well, here's a newsflash, everybody. I know this is controversial. The other teams have some players on their team too, and they yeah. can make football plays. You know, the kid, yeah. there's guys that make good plays and they make good blocks and they may get a few first downs. It's not time to panic. You just wait and see how we adjust. I mean, yeah. these are division one football guys that are pretty well coached as well. You know, row the boat guys had some success up there over the years. And uh, 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 so I'm not going to freak out. When someone creases us for a few first downs now, you know, if they go 80 yards and do it a few times in a row. That's a different story, but we haven't seen that yet. So there's yeah. no reason to panic. Did you hear that Stapleton? So stop blowing up our phones during games with yes, relax, relax, right. take a deep relax, breath. All right. There you <laughs> <laughs> oh God, too good. We're gonna have him on the show, by the way, this guy would be a fantastic uh, addition for one of our shows. And I keep telling them we're going to do that. Uh, he's, he, as much as we give him shit, he's he knows a lot about football. This guy probably could have played linebacker at, at, or something. Uh, he was not your typical kicker slash punter. So uh, anyway, we love you, Stapes. Um, all right, let's talk about the Michigan offensive line here. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh said something else that was pretty interesting. He said, you know, the last two years are not the norm when it comes to 
being able to run the ball. And, you know, of course, every play is drawn up, right? So, hey, we're going to score a touchdown. You block him, you block him, we double team him, you do this, and this thing's going to go for six. It doesn't work that way. Part of the reason, obviously, like you said, is because other teams have good players that are maybe going to get off a block or things aren't going to go to perfection. But, you know, the, the success they had running the ball the last couple of years was insane. So we aren't seeing the big 50, 60, 70, 85 yard, 75 yard runs that we saw last year, but maybe that's more normal uh, than usual. They're still running the ball. Okay. Uh, and you know what? They're starting to play to their strengths a little bit more, which is JJ McCarthy in, in play action. He's been fantastic and using the quarterback a little bit more to run. So uh, what are you seeing from the offensive line? Are you okay with them? I like Henderson at left tackle. Yep. I think they are moving people and yep. I think they did just fine. They didn't get a ton of carries for their backs, but I thought the, the running game was, they had very few inefficient runs, even though they only ran the ball like 20 times with their backs. I think that this is at this point in the football season. Now we're at the point now where we kind of, talked about it preseason. We said, what's Michigan got to do to take this thing to the next level and compete in the playoffs? And I said many, many times, we have to have a more dynamic, more developed passing attack. I think that's what this looks like. The Michigan offensive line is getting better week by week. My little stats that I keep track of this week, Ballas, we had three tackles for losses that included, I think, two of them in the fourth quarter with the second string unit. So uh, runs for no gain. Only two in the whole football game. QB pressures, only two on the offensive line. Only two QB pressures, Ballas. How many times did the opposing team touch our quarterback? That's the hits, right? And when I mean touch, I mean anything from a light arm check to a drilling afterwards. Only two in this football game. Uh, two weeks ago against Rutgers, they had seven. Great. Last week against Nebraska, three. They're getting better and no sacks allowed in this football game. So that. Yep. Performance-wise, for the little things that aren't statistically tracked all that well, an outstanding game by this offensive line. And I think the consistency of Ladarius at left and Barnhart at right, I think this is the combination. I've said that now for a couple weeks. Ladarius looked much better in pass pro this week than he did yeah. last week. His one-on-ones, he was really good. And so I like I like the formations. I like the lineup. And I think that what J.J. brings to the table and the ability to throw this football around and back defenses off, and if they want to play that run heavy, then fine, we'll throw it, and we're not going to force things. Last year, I think the, the luxury was you can line up here, and we're still going to run 46-47G and variations of it, and we're still going to run for 240 yards. I don't think he's doing that as much this year because he has the luxury of this stud quarterback and this wide receiver group that's getting better and better and better, and the tight ends, and you got two backs. I think this looks like the balanced offense that we kind of hope to see, and it just gets better and better and better in the running game and the passing game, and I think this is what we want. Yeah, I think so too, and they don't know what's coming. And if you're sitting there, and, and what Jim Harbaugh said too, he said, I think – that a lot of teams now uh, in the pros and in college, they're, they're playing to stop the run even more. Uh, and especially against Michigan, that's true. You know, saying, okay, let's see if this kid can beat us. Well, this kid's beating you. Uh, and he's doing it in so many different ways. And you can tell that he's a student of the game. If you, he knows, you know, you always talk about there's one guy. Uh, if it's If they're bringing more than the offensive line and the backs and the tight ends can handle, then it's on the quarterback to pick that guy up. I saw him do that with a corner blitz. Uh, and you know what? He's calling out, okay, 
this guy might be coming, you know, before the snap. And if he's coming, he sees him. So he's really recognizing that, isn't he? Yeah, that's the next level stuff. The broadcasters, yeah. I think Blackledge was doing the game, was talking about this is this is 400, 500 level, college level, mm-hmm. you know, quarterback progressions now. And you look and you see, even if a defender is not going to show it with a step, you use your cadence to get a defender to show what he's going to do. You just look at alignment variations and you can see if, if, you know, if your slot is over here and that guy's got a really heavy inside leverage, you know, he's a threat. Yeah. And, and your offensive tackle then looks out there and goes, okay, now we can maybe change protections. This is where you have a veteran quarterback get to. And now as a, as a coaching staff, you can do all kinds of things because you don't have to worry about him recognizing and reacting to these things Yeah, because he is seeing it and he is making changes and he is making, you know, process changes to the way he's going to take that football and how fast he's going to get rid of it. The blitz is coming off the edge. All right, here we go. I'm going to get it over. I'm going to change the play and go left, or I'm going to throw it over your head because you're going to, you know, the safety's got to come up and cover that guy when you come on to blitz. So, or the linebacker, whoever it is. These are the things that coaches aspire to get to, to have a kid back there running your offense where you go, all right, well, we got this because yeah. I don't have to worry about it. I don't, I don't have to explain these differences because he already knows. Yeah, he's a stud. Uh, and watching him run, uh, throwing his shoulder into a guy, stiff-arming a guy, you know, there's the hockey player in him. And again, uh, I'd rather see him doing that against Penn State, Ohio State, and stuff like that. But uh, he's a tough guy. This is not a China Dow quarterback out there. This kid, you know, is he's put on some good weight, and you can see uh, he takes a hit. He took a hit. What was it, the Rutgers game? Or, or you he's know, taken he got- a few. He's taken a few ballast. And as and much as up. as much as it's fun, we can go like, yeah, no, no. our quarterback's got some grit, and I like it too as yep. a lineman. I've said this before: when your quarterback drops a shoulder and runs over somebody, it's awesome. We get excited. <sighs> Just yeah, uh, let's let's take it easy, JJ. Right. The, yeah. the side bra- the sideline is okay too. We'll yep. get back. We'll get you back in the huddle, and you can make another play. <laughs> can't, can't get this kid hurt. He can't get hurt. I gotcha. Yeah, there's absolutely <laughs> truth to that. Although I will say that Jack Tuttle has looked pretty good in backup uh, yes. play the last couple of weeks, and uh, and so is the backup line. Yeah. And that's what I'm excited about because the first few weeks it seemed like they were like, oh well, we'll get a few snaps here. Now they're going out there and playing with some actual emotion. Greg Crippen had a block uh, at center that I noticed uh, in mop up duty, and those guys played really well too. And that's what you want to see you want to see the guys that are going to be in there next playing with that same chip I remember in the 70s and the 80s and you guys when you'd get in there and you're making the most of your opportunity you're like screw it man I want to you know what if I'm only going to get in there for for 10 plays at the end of the game I want them to be good and look good on film and let these yeah. guys know that I can play too and these guys are doing that yeah they did that and every you know you get in there you want you want to get some helmet stickers for individual performance as well on your helmet there and and so that second string offense comes in with that second string quarterback who, by the way, Tuttle's got some wheels too. He's, he does. he's got, he's got some speed of his own that I think people that may not realize. Um, but that offensive line comes in and you think, okay, how much of a drop-off are we going to see here? Are we going to see a sloppy mess or is this pretty tightly operated unit here? And it was the latter. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good performance by this backup crew. And, and a lot of those guys have seen time this year because of the games we played against these opponents. And so the depth, right, Ballas? Uh, well, I've said for years, you, you have to have a stud five. Yep. And you really need to have a stud seven because someone's going to get dinged up. But a good grief, if you could have a stud 10 where you got a full unit front and back and you don't have any drop off, I think we're pretty dang close to that right now with Al Hadi, with all his, his experience. Yep. Crippen looks good at the center position. 
uh, Trente comes in there and Trente's played a lot of football and he moves people off the line of scrimmage. And it's like, man, this group has really got it going on. And I feel really comfortable in the unfortunate event that we do have an injury out there. We should have no drop off. Yeah. And it's not going to happen uh, where they're going to hopefully that we, uh, you know, knock on wood. So um, let's talk about, I want to talk to you about Nugent. Uh, how good has he been? Uh, everybody's asking me, to compare him to Olu Olu Atimi, I haven't been able to break it down. But what I do see from a kid is a guy who A, busts his ass on every play, and B, seems to be doing what's asked of him in terms of um, you know his assignments, getting people where they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. and holding his own there, uh, at least in the trenches. I think he's doing more than holding his own. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm ready to say he's as good as Olu Atimi was a year ago because he had an outstanding season. And go, let's go back a couple years of the Stardust. Is 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 Nugent playing as good as Vastardis is right now? I think he's pretty close. Early yeah. in the early in the year, I had a couple criticisms of him because I felt like he was just position blocking there in the middle of a defensive line or jumping on someone's hip. And that takes away a running lane by your back at times. You always want to see movement. You need to take a defensive lineman and move him back off the line of scrimmage a yard before you start playing positional games. And I think he's getting better at that. He's he's physically not as tall and as long as Olu Atimi. He's just not as big of a guy. But that doesn't mean you can't be just as effective. Michigan's had big, tall, long centers like Olu Atimi all the way back to Steve Everett. And then we have had other guys, other guys that are a little bit shorter. What I always say is the gold standard, like the Jeff Saturday type, really, really effective. And I put Nugent in that category of the guy who's really effective, even though he's not six foot five. Right. Yeah. And there's no question. He's moving people and getting underneath people. I love it. So it's been fun to watch. I want to ask you about Kalel Mullings, man, because this is a kid who, since he moved from linebacker and now has been concentrating on that position, this kid's a load. This yeah, kid's 239 yeah. pounds, but yes. he can move. And now he's starting to show that vision and he's breaking tackles and he's mm-hmm. like, you know, stop me, you know, because he's, he is yeah. really getting, when he gets moving and he's got some better acceleration than I thought, this kid yeah. could be a legit big 10 back. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I think he's forcing this coaching staff to put him on the football field. They are. I mean, we got, yeah. you know, you got the two other studs that we, that, that, that you know, you, you, how do you get these guys the ball? Corum and Edwards. And now all of a sudden, this other third back comes in here, Mullins. It's like, how are we supposed to do this? You have to get this kid some touches because yeah. he presents a different style. And he's at, you're absolutely right, Ballas. He's showing a little bit better vision now, a little patience with a cut. But then when the impact happens, and the defender comes up to make a tackle, it looks like a punishing experience for that defender because he's kids always falling forward and he's driving his legs through contact. Yeah. And that's what you you ask for that from any back, right? But he yeah. seems to have a skill set that he's been blessed with physically where it looks really uncomfortable to have yeah. to tackle this dude. Yeah. And I want you to go back and watch the, the touchdown pass to Colston Loveland. Uh, they are sending a linebacker and I want you to listen to the collision. I'm getting weepy here. Just thinking about this. Okay. Listen to the collision at the line. This kid, it's like hitting a brick wall because yeah. Kalel Mullings stands this kid up and you could hear the pads from the press box through the glass. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. And then I went to watch it on film immediately. Uh, that was the first thing I did on an hour and a half sleep on Monday morning, Sunday morning at the airport. I'm like, I need to hear if this was as loud as I thought it was. And bam, this kid is, uh, you know, Mike Hart, of course, of course, his backs are going to are going to be do that in pass protection because that's what he did. But boy, these guys are doing getting it done there, too, aren't they? It's a requirement. Yes. And uh, Mike Hart did it very, very well for oh. a guy of his stature. Right. Not the, for anybody's stature, it, frankly. But, but that and this is this is the hard part. Right. I remember years ago being at Michigan, one of Michigan's practices when Freddie Jackson was coaching the running backs and just talking about blocking. And I remember him saying, Skeen. 
we recruit all these kids and they can all run with the football. They can all, they're all incredible athletes, but not all of them want to block. And it's my job to teach them how to do it and to want to do it. And that is the difference between taking a, you know, a kid that can run the ball all day long, but is useless on the field. And when it comes to pass protection and picking up a big, strong, you know, blitzing linebacker, you look what happened over all these years. And now you got Mike Hart teaching these guys how to do it. It is awesome. Yeah. And as an offensive lineman, you know, when you see a flash of color come, come around, you know, that's the backs guy. And then you can hear it behind your helmet. You hear the pop that you're just, you're discussing. You're like, yeah. He's one of us, right? Yeah. That back is one of us. We love this guy because yeah. he's not, he's mixing, he's, he's willing to stick his nose in there and mix it up. So yeah. it's awesome to watch. It, it galvanizes that huddle a little bit more and it makes it even more fun to participate in. Yep. Last thing I want to talk about is the tight ends who the first game uh, did not live up to standards and ever since then have been absolute studs. Max Bredesen has taken his game to another level and I made it a point to watch every play uh, that he was out there. Uh, this kid, on, I think it was the reverse, was running a guy downfield about 15 yards and absolutely plowing him. And, uh, okay, actually, absolutely dragging him with him, okay? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and we are talking about a group that has improved dramatically. A.J. Barner, same thing. Mm -hmm. And Colston Loveland's getting better. These guys are, are starting to play at a really high level as well. Well, I think this is part of the natural progression of a football season. And, and we talked about, in the preseason here and the first couple games where it looked a little clunky and it wasn't real clean and the way college practices are structured now, Bows, and the limitations of a live football that you're allowed to practice in the NCAA across the country, it limits your ability to get this quality amount of snaps. And so now here we are mid season and it makes sense to me. Now the guys are figuring out what game speed looks like and game violence looks like versus practice stuff and that's yep. what you're seeing the natural progression and credit to the coach that's taking care of this coat this this group here and and the way that this group is 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 coming together and they're becoming part of this bigger bully group of just torturing people and it's obviously fun to watch it's amazing to watch uh and it's it's been a blast so uh, kudos <laughs> to their coaches um it's been uh, a lot of fun and there's a, i, I got to tell you there's a kid uh, holding the emmy I know his mother in Dexter, Michigan. He, he had five catches for 196 yards the other night against Monroe as a true freshman, 14 years old. Wow. He is 6'4", 210 pounds, runs a 4'6", Grant Newsom started following him on Twitter, okay, <laughs> after this game. But then I go and watch the blocking, and he's absolutely burying people. I'm going to send you his film. We're going to talk a little bit about him next week just because this kid is in my backyard. And you get that sense of, you know what, hey, I know this guy, man. I want this guy to succeed. <laughs> Loves Michigan, and uh, but this kid, I've been watching him play baseball. He's a two points, two a two sports star. You can't teach size like that. But I want well, you to whoever's see whoever's coaching him there at the high school level yes. must be must doing uh, doing a good job yeah. because that what you just described there, right? High school kids that are now latching onto people, taking people downfield and dumping them on their backside and rubbing their yeah. belt buckle on their nose. Yes. That doesn't happen a lot, Ballas. They're, they're right. really trying to take that out of the game. And yeah. you see it. It's I've watched high school games and they'll throw a flag on a kid for doing that. Right. You know, but I used to coach high school kids. I had a, I had a guy throw a flag on one of my offensive linemen that did that in a scrimmage. And I looked at the official. I said, can I ask you a question? He's like, yeah. I said, did he hold on that play? He goes, no, no, his hands were inside, looked pretty good. I said, what was the foul? He's like, well, it was just unnecessary roughness there, coach. We didn't need that. I said, all right, one more question for you. 
is this still football that we're playing right. out here? And the, guy, <laughs> and the guy looked at me and he goes, yeah, I understand your point. It was a good block, right? And yeah. It's just like, but you have to teach this to kids because they're, you know, as they should be. We should be gentlemen off the field. But when you step inside the white lines, you turn into a maniac that wants yes. to destroy people. And so it's fun and reassuring to hear these young kids in high school doing this. And, of course, when we watch Michigan play, it's even more fun to see it happen. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not as common in the NFL, you know, because guys want to preserve their careers a little bit longer. And I understand that. But uh, it's it's just awesome to watch. Yeah, and I can't, I'm going to send you the film. We'll, we'll talk about it next week. But he's Doug Skeen, Michigan's five-time Big Ten champion. And uh, Skeen, I appreciate it. Bird Dogs, folks. Remember, Bird Dogs, fantastic. And game time, better than StubHub for me, not even close. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Thanks, Doug. All right. Go Blue.